0: Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome to a very, very special episode of The World in My Eyes. I know, it's not my normal day, and it's not my normal time, and guess what? It's not going to be my normal episode. In fact, this is just a special little blurb that I put together that I thought a lot of you might be thinking and talking about, and I just wanted to share it with you, and I hope that you find it interesting. I hope that you like what I have to say and share it with everybody that you know, because I think these are things that need to be said. So, without further ado. This is Naughty Nicole, and I want to share with you my open letter to the presidential nominees. Dear Presidential Nominees, For the past few months, I've been sitting on the sidelines watching the circus that is the presidential race. In years past, this circus was entertaining. But by the time it came down to the wire, we'd figure out who the leaders were and weeded out all the rest. The major parties, Republican and Democrats, have always been easy to identify. Republicans, or the right, are normally conservative, oppose gay marriage and abortion, and promote the right of gun ownership. The Democrats, or the left, on the other hand, are liberals. They strive to be more inclusive of all viewpoints, they believe in gay and women's rights, and feel that Americans know best how to spend their own money. But with changing times and blurred lines between the established parties, we have a few new parties, like the Independent. The Independent party started as a far-right party and is often misidentified as a middle ground of both major parties, which it usually isn't. And then we have the Tea Party, and I won't even bother with them, simply because I haven't quite figured out what they stand for on anything, and ironically, I'm not sure that they've figured it out themselves, which is why most Americans don't take them too seriously. But here we are, down to the wire, and I feel compelled to say something. Something I think most Americans are thinking or feeling, and maybe we just haven't made it clear to the two of you. So allow me this opportunity to clear it up. We're tired. Oh, so very tired. Of what you might say? Well... You name it, and we're tired of it. We're tired of the mudslinging and the name-calling. We're tired of the promises and flat-out lies that you tell to garner our favor. We're tired of the constant assault on our senses. But most of all, we're tired of each of you tearing down your opponent in order to win. Not once in this election season have I heard something even remotely, like, here's what my plan for insert topic, will do for you and your family. Just once, Americans deserve a presidential nominee that we have longed for, one that stands up and clearly says, here's what I think that you and your family need, here's how I plan to do it, and here's how it will affect you. Someone who isn't interested in things that have happened in the past, or how someone's career up to that point has eliminated them as presidential. Quite succinctly, neither of you are presidential in my book. But, ultimately, you are what we're stuck with. For the first-time voters out there, I am truly sorry for you. You've been waiting your entire life to take part in the democratic process, and instead of offering up two equally worthy candidates, we've ended up serving you a plate of buffoon with a side of clown. For the first time in history, we're deciding the presidential election with the flip of a coin. Because it doesn't really matter which one we pick, it's terrifying either way. One candidate simply wants to have their name in the history books as the first, and the other just wants their name in the history books. Is this how you should dictate your commitment to the presidency or the people that you hope to serve? Furthermore, I'm disgusted by the fact that we're digging up lost tapes and previous bad behaviors to try and undermine a candidate's platform. Neither of you are innocent of those charges. Is Mr. Trump a womanizer and a misogynist? (laughs) Probably. I mean, he has been married three times, and every one of his wives has been more beautiful than the one that preceded her. But does any of that mean he's unable to run this country? No. In fact, womanizing might be, the, might be one of the most presidential traits that Mr. Trump possesses. If we want to compare, then let's talk about Mrs. Clinton's husband. After all, wasn't he impeached as president due to an illicit affair? Also, How about her own reaction to the women who claimed rape or womanizing? Is it really fair that we throw Mr. Trump under the bus simply for bad behavior like that? I, for one, think it's extremely unfair. In fact, I'd go so far as to say this was a calculated effort by the opponent's camp to try and sully the Republican nominee. Do I think he engages in bad judgment and behaviors? (laughs) Absolutely. But do I think it's a reason he shouldn't be president? Absolutely not. Truth is, men with power, or fame for that matter, will attract a certain type of woman. And it's human nature to want to be attractive to the opposite sex. So I don't fault Mr. Trump for his poor judgment. I simply hope that he has learned his lesson and will practice better judgment in the future. To these so-called victims that are suddenly coming out of the woodwork... I think you're the worst kind of woman. You had this incident happen to you, and instead of standing up when it happened, you chose to sit on the information until it bought you 15 minutes of fame. You didn't have anything to say about it for 11 years, and now that your name is in the paper, you have something to say now? Shame on you. You're not a victim. You're a victim for hire. I'm guessing you didn't say anything before because you were hoping that there would be some money or a job or some fame or notoriety in it for you. Now you're coming forward. And why is that? You offend real rape victims by your mockery and you offend real women with your cheapness. So here's your 15 minutes of fame and please get off the the stage now. And let's not get distracted by this nonsense. We were fully aware of Mr. Trump's reputation. Hell, listen to any one of his speeches and you know the goods that you've bought. So, please put away your fake shock and surprise. This is not news to any of you. But what about the other side of the aisle? What about the Democratic nominee? Do you really think that she's squeaky clean? If you do, then please do us all a favor and do not vote. Better yet, don't procreate either. We have enough stupid people in this world. So many of the political commentators have stated there is simply no contest between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. While admitting that Clinton is a flawed candidate, they prefer to boast Donald Trump as manifestly unfit. They reinforce these claims with petty lists of hundreds of supposedly disqualifying things that Trump has said or done throughout his life. While there are many lists out there where they will distract you with insignificant slips or bolster minor missteps into major reasoning, they're all only one-sided and truthfully heavy-handed and exaggerated If they named a hundred reasons against Trump, they would only mention the email scandal in Benghazi, and mathematically speaking, Clinton would be the lesser of two evils. But this is in no way true. Clinton has made an equal, if not greater number of errors, and the magnitude of these errors are worse than any 3 a.m. drunk tweets coming from Mr. Trump. Let's compare, for instance the attempts to reach the hispanic communities trump tweeting a picture of himself eating a taco bowl on Cinco de Mayo stating i love hispanics was listed as a disqualifying offense so what about miss clinton well When Clinton was running for senator of New York, she received word that she could win over strategic communities if her then-president husband offered clemency to a group of Puerto Rican nationalists imprisoned for terrorism. Even though Clinton claimed that she had nothing to do with that decision, her presidential husband commuted the sentences of all 16 terrorists soon after. So, on one hand, you have a tweet that induced a little eye-rolling, and on the other, 16 terrorists went free. Doesn't seem morally equal to me. How about you? And is this the only uneven scale? (laughs) Not by a long shot. Time after time, Trump's loud media-driven scandals only underscore how much more profound the implications are for Clinton's failings. Trump insulted a Gold Star family versus Clinton being sued by two Gold Star families for defamation of character. Trump claims he was against the Iraq War versus Clinton claiming she was against the Iraq War despite voting in favor of it. Trump wrote negative tweets about 258 people and organizations versus Clinton mocking 40 million Americans as deplorable, irredeemable, and anti-American. The Trump Foundation gave a suspicious donation to a judge, versus the Clinton Foundation receiving donations from Saudi Arabia and Boeing, just as Hillary was approving a weapons deal of Boeing fighter jets destined for, you guessed it, Saudi Arabia. By the way, if you're curious... Those jets were used to kill thousands of innocent Yemeni civilians. But Trump's offenses are so much worse for this country. What? The truth of the matter is this. For 30 years, Hillary has been a politician. And doesn't anyone else find it interesting how news cycle after news cycle, there's nothing but praise for Hillary while there's only admonishment for Trump? Did you ever ask yourself why? (laughs) It's because the fat cats in charge of the television news organizations are all voting for Hillary. So how on earth can they present a fair and balanced news story when everything they do and say, and more importantly, report on, is skewed in Hillary's favor? So I've resigned myself to the fact that we're never going to get an honest answer, And we may never know who is the right choice. So I put this on the line. Much like every American out there, my vote for president is on the table. I ask each of you, what will you and your plans for this country do for me? Don't give me sound bites. Don't give me possibilities. Give us facts. What are you doing for loyal men and women who've lost their jobs? Those who don't qualify for government assistance, whether that be monetary or housing, what do you say to them? More specifically, how do you quantify a response when it is the laws, the laws that you helped write and pass during your tenure in office, that keeps these Americans in a position of poverty? What do you say to the Americans who are over 65 and still forced to work a full-time job because of a failing economy? What are you doing for the children who aren't going to eat today? What are you doing for our servicemen and women who've dedicated their lives to this country that need health care or shelter? What are you doing to ensure that the working class of this country are prepared and educated to take one of those millions of jobs that you keep talking about? You want our vote? You can have it. All you have to do is tell us one thing you do to make our lives better. I ask this simple question. How can you make my life any better? Don't give promises or campaign speeches. Give actual numbers and actual plans. Don't tell us you're creating new jobs because most of those jobs regular Americans aren't qualified for. We're the ones who couldn't afford college and had to take jobs while we were still in school. Most of us don't have a degree or, if we have a degree, it's a virtually useless one, see Masters in Business, because guess what? Everyone has one. We're the ones that have worked for years in one field and now have to struggle to find any job. We don't have savings, and what little we have is used to pay bills. We struggle because you believe anything above minimum wage doesn't qualify you for poverty. Now, you both claim you're financial geniuses. Okay, figure out how to live in any major city, hell, any city at all, on $7.25 an hour. For those of you slow with math, that's $290 a week, or $1,255.70 a month, and that's before taxes, people. You want those Americans who need the most help to pay 15% tax, which means basically, instead of getting paid for four weeks a month, you'd only get paid for three. So, for $1,000 a month, you want us to pay for health care, insurance, rent, food, oh, and a vehicle to get to said job. And you wonder why the poor keep getting poorer? Once again, we're tired. Those of us that do most of the living and the dying in this country, we are tired. We can't afford fancy vacations. We can't fly to Europe. Hell, most of us just want a weekend off to sit around and do nothing without having to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We need a workforce that is strong and educated so we can take advantage of those jobs you keep promising us. We need a government that is using their might to take care of each and every one of us. We need laws that look out for the most vulnerable of us, while making sure those in power aren't taking advantage. We deserve a president that can answer the tough questions, not just about our foreign interests, but about our domestic ones. We need a government that is inclusive from the local government, to county, to state, all the way up to federal. We are America, and it is of the people, by the people. But there are those of us that can't keep up with the Trumps or the Clintons. We're just trying to live our lives. We want to be able to walk down the street without being harassed by law enforcement for the color of our skin or the religion we follow. We want to live in a safe community where we can raise our kids and feel safe. Most of all, we want to know that when we need our government, They are there for us, not fighting a war in some long-forgotten land, spending our hard-earned tax dollars to fund their war games. We want, no, we deserve a president that is going to see the problems in this country and actually fix them. We should make our public schools into temples of the mind. College should be available and free for every citizen. Our public assistance programs should be a hand up, not a hand out, and it should be available to those who need it the most, not those who abuse the system. Our borders should be safe and protected, and if someone wants to be a citizen and live in this country, then they should commit to this country. Our shores were once a beacon of hope to people living all over the world, and somehow we've tarnished that dream. So. Let's be with her and make America great again. Fix the problems. Not for the guys that are living in mansions who already have their American dream. Fix it for us, the little people, the ones who don't have a voice, the ones who pay taxes, follow the laws, and try their absolute hardest just to make ends meet. Make it just a little bit easier on us. With that, If you can answer to this, then you can have my vote and support. Until then, I will be listening. Thank you, Renegade Nation. Don't forget to vote.